Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. How are you? I haven't talked to you in a while. I'm <laughs> good. How are you today? I'm good. I'm feeling good. The weather is not quite as um, cool as it was yesterday, but I'm having a pretty good morning. This is Sunday morning for our listeners. Jen and I, we don't have a set schedule with a podcast because we're real life caregivers. I know. And I have to tell you something. I've been doing a lot of continuing education through the LinkedIn learning module, which is um, Linda. It's actually the funny name of it. Linda Learning is now part of LinkedIn. And I took a course on like writing great blog posts and what makes a good blog. And one of the things that makes a good blog, and I really sort of see podcasts as audio blogs, if you will, but one of the things that makes a good one is that they have consistency. And I feel terrible that we really, we, we don't, we're regular, but not consistent, um, or we're consistent, but not regular. And it's because we're caregivers. This We're living this caregiver life. Right. We're not somebody who's trying to discover what it is to be a caregiver. How does it feel to be a caregiver? What is your daily life? We know what a caregiver life is like. We we don't know everybody's caregiver life, but I think in general, we know when you have your, when you're in deep in caregiving, it's very difficult to have a regular anything. Mm -hmm. You wake up and there's something different. We woke up this morning I thought for sure we'd go down to catch a sunrise. The weather was nice enough to do that. It's Sunday. We're a little bit slower. I have a different kind of schedule during the week that I like to keep to. And Sunday's sort of a free-for-all, whatever it is we want to do. And that's kind of, that's really nice to be able to have if you can do it. I woke up feeling hypoxic this morning. Hmm. He forgot to put his headset on, which is his, um, his headgear. So he wears a... Um, nasal pillows for his non-invasive ventilator which for a lot of people think about CPAP, BiPAP that's kind of what it is it's the very similar Um, with ALS it's really important because they need a person with ALS needs help with their respiratory muscles pushing in and pushing out the air and he forgot fell asleep I think before um, he realized he didn't have it on so he slept most of the night Mm. about it and woke up kind of drugged that's how you feel Mm. kind of really hung over and drugged oh man so that was a warning (laughs) i am for our readers who don't know can you just define hypoxic for us hypoxic is not getting enough oxygenated air circulating through your body there's too much carbon dioxide instead you're off balance and you can be very fatigued the oxygen oxygenated blood gives us energy and mm-hmm. he's, he's then without that extra effort of oxygen going through his body to get him up out of bed and you know, he's slow anyway in the morning many people with ALS or other kinds of disabilities are but the hypoxia just 
makes you feel lethargic. So that was the yeah. challenge for him this morning. So it wasn't a get up and go, let's go down to the beach and you know, grab my cameras and a cup of coffee, throw it in the thermos. It wasn't that kind of morning at all. It was slow, it was fine, he was fine, he will be fine. But it just changes the dynamics of the day, which is interesting because, you know, that's why we don't keep a regular schedule. So it was a good point that you brought up. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, it's one of those things as caregivers, there are some things that you just have to accept. Um, it's sort of like comments um, when you make a post on social media or even some of the reviews that we get um, for this podcast. Um, we want them all to be 100%. But there are people who leave reviews that are not 100% positive for whatever reason. Maybe they're an internet troll. Maybe they just, that's how they find their um that's how they get their kicks <laughs> but you just you just have to accept it and move on I can't dwell on it and so for our listeners stick with us we appreciate you you know maybe someday as this podcast grows and um, we'll develop content and we'll have um, some engineering assistance and some production assistance that would put put this out on a on a regular basis you know maybe every Tuesday or something like that but until then we're glad that you pick us up when we're available we appreciate you we do and you know to speaking to that and the positive I had a wonderful positive interview with Lindsay Juris Rosner she's the CEO of Wealthy W-E-L-L-T-H-Y Wealthy you can find them at wealthy.com Okay, Lindsay is based in New York City, though her her company, Wealthy, is available to all people across the United States. I really don't know if they're international. I want to say no, but I could be wrong. We could find out about that. Um, but right now, what I do know is they are nationally based because they're inter- they're internet based. The services are internet based, and the Wealthy and Lindsay will tell us more about this in the interview. Wealthy will help families who are caregiving who need somebody to assist them outside of the family to take some of the burden off of the family while they're caring for a loved one. Lindsay built the company because she realized after caring for her mom for 28 years that she could have used the assistance that Wealthy is providing. Wow. I I can't wait to learn more about Wealthy and, and hear from Lindsay. Okay, great. Well, let's take a listen. Okay, so today we have Lindsay from Wealthy. And is it just, you just say Wealthy when you say your company, yes? Yes, exactly. Okay, so we have um, Lindsay, who's the CEO. And we thank you so much for joining us today for this podcast on this Caregiver Life. And our season, for season two, our focus is asking for help. It's help in general, asking for help, receiving help, offering help, and caregivers are among the worst in the help category. And we as a family had an opportunity to um, work with Wealthy while caring for my mom, and we still work with them. And that was so eye-opening to the kind of help that Wealthy offers. So could you give us just like a little bit of a background about how and why you started Wealthy? Definitely. And Mary, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, Yeah, the the mission of the business here at Wealthy is that we have set out to help 
um, families who are taking care of aging, chronically ill, or disabled loved ones. And we are an incredibly mission-oriented team and company, and many of our team members share personal connections to the business. I do as well. Um, my story and, and sort of the founding story of the business is that I got involved in my mom's care when I was a kid, and my mom got diagnosed with primary progressive multiple sclerosis when I was nine. And so for 28 years, I was intimately involved in her care from this family caregiver perspective in what was, for me, the single hardest and loneliest and most stressful thing I've done in my life still is. Um, my mom and I were incredibly, incredibly close. I lost her two years ago, um, about uh, almost two, two years and two weeks ago. And, um, and it was a labor of love. You know, I, I viewed it as my, my duty as her daughter and my responsibility. And so, you know, for me, caregiving manifested itself in a lot of different ways. Um, as a child, it was just really helping out around the house. And then um, as mom's mobility declined, I made the decision to move home after college and lived at home and would get mom up in the morning and help her get dressed and help her with breakfast and would go into the office and come home and help her with lunch and go back into the office and help her in the evenings and did that for years and then um, started to set up some support and infrastructure and we went through hiring and firing of in-home aides and um, various treatments and hospitalizations and surgeries and lots of bills and questions and insurance issues and then the last year and a half of her life she was on hospice and it was really through the experience with my mom and over those years that I started to meet more families like mine and just became really um, convinced that there had to be a better way. There had to be more support, more infrastructure for families like ours and, um, and really set out to build that right infrastructure for families. And so, yeah, so what we've built with Wealthy is essentially meant to provide support and relief to families like like yours, Mary, and like mine. And the idea is really focused around helping families with just the sheer number of logistical and administrative tasks regarding care. Um, so we had this hypothesis that what families really needed, what they were really missing is almost like a project manager, what we know in business or in other areas as a project manager. So an analogy might be a financial advisor in the finance world or um, a wedding planner if you're planning a wedding or a general contractor in a home building project. And the idea is there's that person who's the, um, the point of kind of coordination expert and, and really kind of your partner in, in, in managing care and keeping things on track and keeping everybody accountable. And, and so that's really what we've built. We've built this very simple solution where we provide families with a dedicated care coordinator, as we call them, but they're essentially a healthcare project manager. And we've built out a really robust, modern uh, te technical experience that, again, is a lot like project management software. And it's really just meant to um, just help families kind of with their day-to-day uh, needs and activities and getting things done, answering questions, and, 
and just relieving them of some of the uh, some of the administrative burden. Wow, well, it really is a fabulous model to use. Having you know, when my mom became ill, and while I was caregiving, I'm also caregiving for my husband. It, it seems like I have things going along really well, just caregiving for one person that I've been doing for a long time. And then you add on another one and, you know, the, the whole set of problems and issues that come up, it's a lot to handle. And I don't think I'm the only one. I think there's many, many people who are dual caregiving where of the age, or I'm of the age, I'll be 60 soon, where we can really be like that sandwich sort of, you know, generation here with caregiving and you've done some heavy duty caregiving with your mom so i think a lot of our listeners will really really relate to that i know in the als um environments or community um that's really heavy duty uh caregiving yeah. Yeah, with sure. your mom you know yeah for sure and 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 mary you're spot on and i'll, I'll share with you what we see in our data is that um and this is not representative of the country. This is just our data. But what we see is that 14% of individuals we're supporting are involved in more than one care project. So we use our own weird language. Um, but a care project, an example would be um, you taking care of your mom. So that's one care project. A different care project is taking care of your husband. Um, and so we see that 14% have more than one care project. That could be two, that could be three, that could be four. We've seen up to five, um, yeah, in one family. And we have younger caregivers than we've ever had before, especially when you um, put in the military veteran caregivers coming off of the Iraq and Afghanistan war where one of our Dole Foundation fellows was maybe 20 when she became a caregiver to her husband, who's a double amputee. So it's young, it's really young. And you could probably relate to that since you were so young caring for your mom. Definitely. And, and it's, you're right. We're seeing that um, we support families who are involved in caring for a loved one who's aging or dealing with chronic conditions or um, a, a veteran or child, a child with special needs or autism. And just, you know, the sheer rates of uh, diagnosis you know, diagnoses across all of the different generations has gone up. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're seeing younger caregivers, we're seeing older caregivers, it really ranges. And I'll say, you know, what, what, what I'm fascinated by is exactly what you just mentioned. There's, um, the numbers are actually staggering. So of, um, uh, veterans that served in um, any time after 2001, um, 41% of those veterans have a disability of some sort. So when you think, I mean, that's nearly half, right? So when you think that those individuals who are going to be fairly young um, are dealing with really complicated healthcare issues and then certainly um, have family members who are involved. Um, and we see a whole host of issues around, you know, listen, it's not just supporting a veteran in their healthcare needs, but it's also navigating, you know, how to support the veteran and the family with, you know, multiple insurance options, you know, families don't go on TRICARE or whatever maybe the veteran is using and and um, and then there's all sorts of 
kind of complexities if that individual goes goes into the workforce and is sort of in civilian life. So we see all sorts of issues around families navigating, um, you know, care for a loved one, especially when there's a veteran involved. Right, and when it's just an interesting point you bring up about the insurances and Medicare in general. I was many years ago. I was a Medicare counselor, but I haven't I haven't done it in I don't know since 1999. So like a lifetime ago. You might as well just say I was never a Medicare counselor based on the rules that there are today for Medicare. And my husband is nearing 65 in a month. He'll be 65, but he's been on Social Security disability with Medicare since 1994. And so I'm looking at a supplemental plan because I I left my job in May. I worked worked remotely but I decided I wanted to focus on other things. And so I don't have the, I don't have the supplemental plan form, but I'm thinking about Medicare and I'm really perplexed with Medicare Part D because we didn't have it, getting the supplemental plan, which I did, but getting prescription coverage form and how much do I need it because he also has the VA and there's no straight answer anywhere. So I think I'm pretty smart and educated. I can't imagine what it's like for some people who have never dealt with this to figure it out. And I still haven't figured it out. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm in the process of trying yeah. to figure out what it is I need to do for emergency prescriptions for Tom. That's my issue right now. I could handle it. I could self-insure and that might be the answer. I have to, but I don't even have the numbers to do a cost-benefit analysis right now. It's perplexing, and I'm not really sure how people navigate it. So I love that Wealthy offers that service. You could give it to one of the care project managers and say, help, can you figure this out for me? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, we have, I mean, this, we're coming into our busy season because we do a lot of um, insurance navigation support for families. And, um, you know, you're bringing up excellent points, Mary, and I hate to break it to you, but... Um, we do recommend that you do this analysis annually because plans change and his care needs will change, his prescriptions might change, his doctors might change. And so um, it's actually critically important to do this reevaluation on an annual basis. And it's so painful and painful, I mean, painful for everyone. And especially when there are you know, any sort of complicated care needs or multiple insurances. So, yeah, we, we get very involved in it. And I think, you know, one of the things we feel so strongly about as a business, which I'll mention, and for your listeners, just something to kind of be aware of is we we feel very, very strongly that um, we work for the family first and foremost. Um, and so we're, our model is that we are a private pay solution. So families either pay for our service themselves or we work with employers. So we're covered employee benefit actually at a whole bunch of top companies across the country. Um, we also do work with some financial advisors and some other folks who bring us to their clients. But um, but we we draw a very strong line where we don't accept any um, referrals or commissions or or fees or lead gen um, you know, fees from any service providers or insurance companies. And, and by the way, we get approached every week by in-home aid agencies or long-term care facilities, and um, we just we just don't don't operate that way. And 
one of the things I've noticed is that there are, we do have some companies that have come into our space recently and there's some legacy kind of elder care support services out there. And I would just caution your listeners to be a little bit, to ask some questions if those companies are offering their support for free, um, because it often means that they're making money from whatever they're referring you to, which means that they might or might not be acting in the best interest of you and your loved one. And so just something to kind of mention. It's an excellent point because you are pretty vulnerable as a caregiver when things are going bad quickly and you need help and you seek out, you're trying to find, um, I don't know, an organization like Wealthy that will help you or care managers in general. I was a certified care manager too in the 1990s. I really didn't do a lot with my certification, but I'm very familiar with the, the care managers in general and what their focus is. But, you know, they have standards that they have to adhere to. So that's what, you know, we would want our caregivers to, to make sure that what they were getting at is the pure service that they need. That's right. That's so right. if you are, so we will, um, if I'm listening to this, my, I like to do my podcast in that way. What would I want to know if I was listening to this? Sure, sure. I want to know the nuts and bolts. So what does it mean if, like in my situation, my mom lives in Florida. I have a brother on Long Island. I live in North Carolina. And I have a brother in California and a sister in California. We couldn't be more far apart logistically. So how does Wealthy help us work together? Yeah, and, and by the way, you know, perfect use case for us. Uh, your family is, you know, very similar to families we typically support. Um, the, the model is that we get to know, uh, we, we practice what we call lean care management. So a little different than kind of what geriatric care managers might do, which is go into the home and do a lengthy assessment and write up a care plan. Our process is that we want to try to get stuff done for the family as quickly as possible. And so we get to know your goals and your situation, your immediate needs. And then we use that information to set up a plan and go about getting things done. And we really strive to get a quick win for the family as soon as possible. We just find that that allows us to build the relationship with you and the family and build credibility. And so, um, so we'll usually start with some sort of kickoff call, a conference call, and get you and your siblings and, um, you know, potentially your mother, if she's willing and cognitively able to get her on the phone as well and get everybody's input on what exactly the situation is and what the needs are and how wealthy can be of most help. And, and then we um, get on the same page with next steps, and then we really kick off going about getting things done. Um, you know, one of the things we observed early on in the business is that, you know, what's so critically important is just the family dynamics and family communication, making sure everybody's on the same page. And so a big role that our care coordinators play is sometimes even just family kind of mediator, family moderator, you know, just helping everybody kind of come together to get aligned and get on the same page and then we've also built into our platform multi-stakeholder communication. And so families can invite as many 
team members, care team members as we call it, into the online account for their loved one. And that way as the care coordinator is going about getting things done, the care coordinator can post updates and those updates get pushed out to all care team members at the same time, keeping people on the same page and allowing people to feel informed and in the loop. And so we really do find that, you know, we're able to cut down on that game of telephone that families typically play where, you know, one person talks to mom and has one conversation and is then texting and calling and emailing the other siblings and, you know, there's a lot of back and forth communication and it's, and, and we find the same dynamics across every family. There's typically um, a, an, an adult child who is the more kind of involved, maybe they're closest in proximity, and that person is sort of taking on the brunt of the of the day-to-day -day activities, and usually they feel quite overwhelmed. And then there's usually an adult sibling who feels like nobody ever tells them anything, and they're out of the loop. And, <laughs> And then we usually find there's an adult sibling who says, here's my credit card. How much can I pay? I'll just pay. Let's pay to solve the problem, whatever costs. So we do see very similar family dynamics. And we do feel very strongly about just helping to kind of stream, streamline those um, conversations and get everyone kind of on the same page and working in the same direction. Okay, that's great. That pretty much wraps up what our experience was as well. So, and is continuing, we continue um, to use Wealthy to help us. Um, we're working on long-term care for my mom. And so that's, that's where really, really where our project manager is focused for us right now. And that's great. Um, it's really, it's been great for us. So if somebody wants to um, access Wealthy and see what you're all about, they go to wealthy.com. They can go to wealthy.com and feel free to reach out to us. We, we have an email that we answer and uh, live messaging on our site, or you could call us or, or, or feel free to get started and create a care project if, um, and set up a call to learn more. I will say the best, what, you know, our favorite way to work with families is through, you know, employers. We, we do find that it's such a win-win you know, the companies that are providing support to employees in this way, they really get to, you know, retain high value talent. Um, you know, we, we are able to help working caregivers so they don't have to take a leave of absence, um, you know, or, or use their PTO or nights and weekends. It really can reduce their time and stress and that benefits that employee. And, in terms of their focus and productivity, which benefits the company. And, and so it's just such a win-win. So for any of your listeners that are full-time working caregivers or even part-time working caregivers, if they work for a company that they think would be interested, we're also happy to reach out to the company and um, share more about how we work with employers to support caregiving employees. Um, we are covered uh, employee benefit at a whole bunch of companies across the country, companies like Salesforce and Snapchat and News Corp and Hearst and um, Voya and Medica. And so um, if you if you think you might have access to Wealthy through your employer, you could probably check out their benefits site or feel free to reach out to us about that as well. Okay, great. And I'll share out the um, your Wealthy's 
um, link to, to your website and some more information about you. We'll push that out on our social media sites. And thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I hope you'll come back again another time. Definitely, anytime. And um, happy to always um, get involved, our care coordinators and care managers, the folks who are you know, really close to working with families. And if there's ever kind of a topic we could discuss, like Medicare open enrollment, uh, we could kind of do a more in-depth discussion on that. But Mary, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and um, just, you know, proud and, and glad that we were able to help you and your family and look forward to staying in touch. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. Okay, Jen, what'd you think? Wow, I'm just blown away. I'm so inspired by Lindsay um, to grow up in a home uh, with a parent or loved one that has a disability, that has a degenerative disease like multiple sclerosis is so challenging. Um, and my heart really always goes out to children caregivers, but for her to continue as a caregiver into um, into her time after college when she was a young adult, making that decision to move home and, and continue to care for her mother through through the end of life care, which is the mo you know sometimes the most challenging. Um, it's just beautifully inspirational, and and then to take that passion and 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 use her grief to build a business that helps other caregivers. This world needs more people like Lindsay. Oh, I couldn't agree more, 100%. So as a family, we've used Wealthy. Um, that's what I guess my disclaimer, I'm not being paid to say that or to have Lindsay on our podcast. Um, but but under the umbrella of our focus this, this season of helping, getting help, receiving help, giving help, uh, we found Wealthy to be a great help to us. And I thought that she would be such a, her Wealthy would be such a good organization to share with our listeners. They're not very expensive. You can set up a care project at no cost on their website at wealthy.com. You can hire them to help you. They, they have project managers, personal health care assistants that will work with your family and your loved ones. And it's not, I think that the price is pretty good. What do you think? I, I think the price is amazing. I mean, for a couple of hundred dollars a month, I could get in a plan that would take some of the burden off of me. And for someone like me who cares for multiple people um, from a distance, uh, this kind of project management, which is really exactly what it is, is amazing. You know, there's so many tasks that I'm not built for, I'm not wired to do. I spent my career in advertising, public relations and radio. and my background, my passion was never about um, paperwork, bureaucracy, um, cutting through red tape. And there are people who are masterful at that, who are great project managers, and I'm not one of them. So to be able for such a small investment to take that off of my plate, it would just, I think it would be transformative for me. I think it would be too. I hope you give them a try. I think you'll, I think you'll like them, especially because you have so much going on right now and in so many different areas of your life that this could relieve some of the burdens from you that, that sometimes feel like you just have your nose above water. Yeah, just barely. Um, I definitely feel that way often. And a lot of times when we think about 
an organization or a business that helps caregivers, the first thing that comes to mind are the, the ones who are physically present. So the, the companies that do home health care, the pharmacy delivery, the, the grocery delivery, Amazon, all those things. But this is a service that can help you. Maybe you do live internationally. You know, I my dream has always been to own a second home um, on the island of Curacao in the Caribbean. Um, but I also think in my mind, well, how could I handle care plan meetings and dealing with making phone calls to the United States where you're on hold forever. You know, if you've ever tried to call Medicare or the VA, you know that sometimes you can be on hold forever. And this would take that away from me. It would be so amazing. Exactly. Well, a great example of that is our our personal healthcare assistant is helping us with my mom's long-term care policy, which we're, pu- we're putting in place. She's has this policy and maybe we could do one of our podcasts on that in the future these kinds of policies like long-term care um, because they are helpful for the caregiver to think about for their own care in the future well we're getting it started for my mother and it need, we need 90-day elimination period she had in-home care and now we've moved her to, to assisted living and all of a sudden what seems so simple to put a claim you know to put a claim in for this got complicated and the phone calls it takes her two and a half hours before she gets a live person who's on hold. So she's on hold. She gets paid to be on hold. And I can go do the other things that I need to do. It's great. It's it, it's so turnkey. It's um, so needed with... Um, we have 60 million caregivers in this country. 40 million of them are working. And I think about this as an employee benefit through an employee assistance program through your EAP or an HR benefits package at a company and I don't know why any company wouldn't want to do this when we think about you know a huge portion of your workforce is caregiving you may not know it because they're not self-identifying they don't want you to know that they have to make phone calls during the day that they're you know they're sneaking out um, to 15 minutes early to try to get to an appointment and then they're coming in you know, an hour late the next day and working through their lunch to make up the time. Um, this kind of uh, benefit could take a lot of that uh, loss of time and productivity out of, of your business. So I would really encourage any business owners and employers to think about making this part of their, their benefits package. It just makes so much sense to me. It does. It makes economic sense and it makes quality of life sense. And I agree with you about Lindsay and um, being a child, taking care of her mom. My kids were nine and ten years old when their dad got sick, and um, it put a lot of responsibility on them as a young age. But I don't think either one of them would have traded it for the world. They still step in as caregivers when I need some respite, and they're here. And I don't even know I need respite, and they they step right in and they take care of them. So she has she has a really good um, sense. Lindsay had a really good sense of how the whole family from a young age to a um, mature adult experiences caregiving and she shared that so well she has such a great attitude too i love it you know i think Lindsay would agree caregiving is the best job that i hope no one ever has um and to think that there are um, tools out there that can take some caregiving tasks off your plate to allow you to have a more functional relationship with your care recipient, a more familial relationship, um, will improve the quality of life for for any caregiver and their care recipient. I know for me, the bigger that our support team gets, 
um, the more quality time I have to just be a sibling, you know, with my brother and just to do things that you would normally do, like go out to eat or watch a football game. And that matters because all of the healthcare management, all of the um, medication, treatments, therapies, none of that matters if you don't have a good quality of life. No, oh, gosh, agreed. And and podcasts, because we enjoy doing the podcast. But doing this Caregiver Life podcast is a form of respite for us. <laughs> it is, and it's also, for me, helping other people is a huge form of um, therapy for all that I've been through as a caregiver, not just for my brother, um, who was wounded in 2005 in Iraq, but also you know, caregiving for my grandmother before that as she um, went through dementia and, and, and as her life came to a close. And then um, I'm also a caregiver to my mom. I've been a caregiver to my son. Um, and I have to have an outlet to share the things I've learned, to let people know that they're not alone and that there are um, resources and support out there to help you through this caregiver life. Exactly. Agree 100%. And we've heard from other caregivers who listen to this caregiver life. And we've helped some of them who listen to us in the middle of the night. Because some of our caregivers are, are up at night. If anybody has care, if you're listening and you care for somebody who has dementia or something like ALS or a TBI where sleep interference is huge, sometimes you can't go back to sleep. And so you, you're listening, you're looking for a podcast and you've, you've listened to us and it's made you feel just a little bit less alone. Absolutely. I, I want everyone to know that you don't have to be alone and we want to hear from you. So connect with us on our social media. We're on Facebook, This Caregiver Life and Instagram. Um, we have a, a little short Twitter handle. It's just at this caregiver. So you can tweet at this caregiver. <laughs> um, and we also would love for you to email us this caregiver life at gmail.com. The more we hear from you, the more our content can give you what you're looking for. Um, and if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we'd include you in a future episode. Um, you just connect with us through anchor.fm slash this caregiver life. Um, that's our host platform. We know that many of you get the podcast in lots of different places. We're available everywhere. And if you're on iTunes and you give us five stars, that'll help us uh, reach other caregivers who need to get these resources and support just like you do. Outstanding, Jen. Till the next time. Till next time, Mayor. Thanks so much.